Good morning, Lighthouse Christian Church. Uh, already miss all of you. It's a beautiful day here in Clatsop County, and I'm really glad that you guys are all here uh, this morning as we get to worship the Lord. Anyway, as you know that I'm in Maui uh, with my beautiful wife right now. Been praying for the garage sale. I hope the garage sale went really, really well. Uh, keep in mind that we are doing the garage sale again next week. And I want you to know that Maui is incredible. Anyway, we're finishing up a series called I'm Offended. We've been offended by so many different things. We've been offended by things like little things like getting cut off. What we do when someone makes us upset, how we respond to them. Oftentimes, uh, we respond in a negative way because we were offended. The week after that, we talked about how being offended by something big, being hurt by people that we've trusted in our lives, whether it be a parent, a spouse, a child, um, friends, uh, we've all been hurt deeply by someone or something. Last week, we talked about forgiving God. We talked about how we expected God to pull through and do something for us, and it never happened. Even though God's not a sinner, He doesn't sin, He'll never sin. Oftentimes, we still feel that, you know, He should have done it, but that was because we didn't really understand Him, and we have to learn to let that go. Today is a really important day. Today, we're talking about forgiving ourselves, letting go of that guilt and that shame, forgiving the offenses and the, the betrayals of others, yes, but oftentimes the most difficult person for us to forgive is ourselves. We don't do a very good job of that. We'll go into a building, a church, a, a store, our work, wherever it might be. It could even be school. Put a smile on our face, but we're carrying so much guilt and shame from within ourselves. I think about it all the time and I realize that, you know what? No one knows me better than me. No one knows you better than you. And yet we hold that kind of stuff because we do know ourselves better than anyone. We hold things over our head. Oftentimes I find myself praying to God, you know, Lord, please forgive me of things that I've done. And he's like, what are you talking about? I've already forgiven you about that. And I don't know what it is you're even talking about. But we know what we've done. We carry it in our hearts and in our minds. And it's really hard sometimes to let those things go. And sometimes we feel so deeply ashamed that we feel less than others. We feel rotten. We're undeserving of friendships or relationships. And we oftentimes can find ourselves becoming more of a hermit. I know that when I became a new Christian, all the weight of the world came off of me. I cried like a big old giant baby when I came out of that water. I knew that finally I didn't have to carry that weight anymore. Did my circumstances change or anything like that? No. My whole life was still the same except for one thing. I buried the old Daniel. He's gone. And I feel that a lot of people aren't willing or able to actually do that. Even though they've given their lives over to Jesus and they were baptized, they never really fully 
died of themselves. They never fully let go of that shame that they've been holding on to or that guilt. And they've had so hard of a time letting it go. I know oftentimes people will go out and party and they drink too much. They drank and drank and drank and then they did something they can't undo. They got someone pregnant that they didn't even know. Or a husband cheated on a wife or a wife cheated on a husband because of alcohol and had no idea what he was doing, but he did it. Maybe when you were at work, you know, you worked so much. Everything that you do with your job is so important to you that you neglected your family and next thing you know, your kids are grown and out of the house. They've moved on and they don't have much of a relationship with you now because you neglected them their whole life. And now that you're retired, it, you feel it's too late and you're carrying that. Maybe you're bored and you're dissatisfied in your marriage. And so you've betrayed the vows in your marriage. Maybe you love God so much, but yet you still can't stop yourself from looking at pornography or still going and doing the same things you've always done. You never really changed for God, but you know He's real and you know He's out there, but you haven't really fully been able to change. You know, we all have things that we wish we didn't do. We all have things that haunt us. You know, they just keep sneaking up and it's your past and you just want it gone. It's hard. It's hard to let go of guilt. It's hard to let go of shame. It's hard even when you're being convicted by God to do so. I understand it. None of us are perfect. We all carry it. But I'm here to tell you today that not all guilt is, is, is uh, created equal. Not all guilt is the same. And then what I'm trying to get at is the first one that I'm, I'm processing is a false guilt. Oftentimes we have this false guilt. We're carrying on to something that's not even our own fault. We put things on us as if it was something that we did. I remember being a small boy and my parents split up. And oftentimes as children we think, man, what did I do? How come I can't see my dad anymore? How come I can't see my mom anymore? Or even worse, oftentimes uh, kids that are put into foster care, they don't know what they did. How come my parents don't want me? It's a false guilt. Or sexually abused. How come I was sexually abused? It's my fault. I shouldn't have done this and that guy wouldn't have wanted me or whatever it might be. Man, I oftentimes, I carried a, a lot of guilt. My sister died in a car accident and there was nothing I could do about it. It had nothing to do with me, but yet I carried guilt. Like I had something to do with it. Like, man, if I would have just been there with her, I could have gotten her out of the car or, or, or maybe if I could have kept her occupied, they wouldn't have went where they went. Something, you know, I could have done something. But that's a false guilt and it's a lie that Satan oftentimes puts on every single one of us. So that way we stay in the trenches and we stay in this darkness that's often brings us to this depression, you know? It's bad. It's destructive. 
It's horrible for any of us to have to live that way or go through that. And, and really, it's dangerous. It's, it leads people to drugs. It, it breaks families apart. Leads people to drinking and, and making matters worse than they've already been. I think sometimes when we have this guilt, you can either carry it to that dark place and hold on to it, or you can take it to the feet of Jesus and you can bury it. You can hit your knees and bury the guilt. And it's almost like it was a gift from God because it's drawing us closer to God. And that's who we need to be and that's what we need to be doing is drawing closer to God when we're carrying that guilt and that shame. We have to let this go. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 10 says this, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leads no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. That feeling of conviction and understanding that you actually did wrong is super helpful and is exactly who we need to be as Christians. It's called godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is it brings us to repentance it brings us to the feet of the cross and makes a makes us pick up our own cross and confess our sins to the lord it's a, a great way it helps destroy that guilt and that shame that we carry on excuse me that we carry on it helps us to uh, head down a path that many people won't take that narrow path of righteousness that's the right path but oftentimes there's that worldly uh, sorrow that does sneak up. There's no real change in behavior. You apologize. And all it is is you're just wanting uh, to, to, to say sorry because you got caught. That's not repentance. That's worldly sorrow. You're sad because you got caught. Godly sorrow will bring those who get caught to repentance and build in a whole new way. It's quite amazing the differences between hurting and sorrow and, 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 and worldly sorrow. When you have the godly sorrow in your heart that leads you to the conviction, that leads you to Jesus, that leads you to the feet of the cross, and it takes you to a whole new place to where you can actually say, you know what? I feel so much better because I let that go and I know my God has forgiven us and he will heal you so much that you feel the shackles actually come off. You're forgiven. Godly sorrow brings forgiveness. And honestly, worldly sorrow is only going to bring death and loneliness and destruction because you never truly were sorrow. I know that I can honestly relate to, to Peter. He's got a ton of good qualities. He's a hard worker. I like to think that I'm a hard worker. I, I do uh, procrastinate a little bit. There are some blind areas in my life that I choose to try to not see or uh, sometimes I don't even see, but that's why we have each other. But Peter loved Jesus. He loved Jesus all the time. And then when he would go around, he'd even brag about Jesus. And I like to think that 
I would be the one bragging about Jesus and what it is he's done for me. But oftentimes we have this arrogance about us, you know, that we end up carrying because we become Christian, you know, and, and we have to be careful with that arrogance because what that does is it leads to destruction is just as easy as guilt and shame does. And what's crazy is Peter was so arrogant about his love for Jesus that when the time came for Jesus to be arrested, he denied him. Peter cowered like a small child running from something that's scaring him from under the bed. Peter ran. And he knew him better than most. And yet he still cowered down even after he bragged about him. What's crazy though is where Peter goes after this. What happens next? I want to read Luke 22, 59 through 61. It says, about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Many of us have heard this story. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and Peter wept bitterly. It wasn't just because he got caught. He was truly sorry. He couldn't believe what he had done. And it was too late. I guarantee you, Peter had so much guilt on his shoulders. I carry guilt still to this day on how I raised my children, wishing I would have raised them better so they would have had a better and more easier life and I didn't do that. And Peter here, he's trying so hard to love Jesus and be there to protect Jesus and then he cowers down. He cowered down. I can't believe it. And I know by what it says when Peter says, man, I, w I wept. He was weeping. He knew what he had done. He knew it would happen. And he, yet he didn't do the right thing. How many of you have ever done that? <laughs> How many of you have ever done that? And now it was so bad, you can't get past what you did. You can't let go of what it is you have done. You feel so ashamed, just like Peter did in that moment when he denied Jesus, as he cried and as he wept. Usually when we cry and we weep, it's too late. At least so we think so. Or at least Satan is going to make you believe that it's too late and it can't be fixed. You can't undo what is done. Well, that's a worldly lie that you can't undo what is done. You're right. You can't go back and change it. But that doesn't mean you can't make it right. And that doesn't mean you can't take your life and move somewhere else with it. Not move physically, but like move your life in a new direction towards Jesus. The, the devil has us so many times right where he wants us. He knows where you hurt. He knows how you're weak and he knows how to play on that. And he does it so often to us. 
And I believe that guilt and, and shame and, and these things that hang over our head, that's the devil's playground. That's like going to Disneyland for the devil. Guilt says, you know what? I have done something and it was bad. I did something really bad. But then shame is a step further. It just says, I am bad. Shame takes us to this thing where I'm not worthy of anything because I am bad. And the devil uses that shame to connect your actions to your identity. How often have we done that? We look back in our past and we'll hang our head down low and we'll think, man, I'm nothing but an abuser. I'm an alcoholic. I'm nothing but an alcoholic. That's who I am. But you haven't had a, a drink in a year or five years or 10 years. No, you're a child of God, not just an alcoholic or a heroin addict, and you're free from heroin addiction, and yet you still hold on to it. Or you, you meet a girl that used to be in uh, sex trafficking, or she was a prostitute. They hang that shame and guilt over their heads, and they haven't let it go. Some dads, because you weren't there for your children as much as you should have been, and you hang that over your head. But that's not your identity. That's just what the devil wants you to feel and what the devil wants you to believe. He wants you to think that you're pathetic. He wants you to believe that you're worthless and hopeless. Nothing but a failure. Nothing but a failure. I've heard those words out of people straight to me. And it's hard. And oftentimes we think, man, I don't, I don't see how God could ever forgive me. How could God ever forgive me for what I've done? Or how could God ever forgive you for what you've done, what you did? And before that, and because of that, you'll never be happy. And that's what the devil wants. You'll never be happy. You'll never have a good marriage. You'll never find that right person for you. And you'll, or you'll never make a, biz, a, a, a difference in the world. You'll never get a good job at a good business to, to, to make yourself feel good as you work for a living. And then oftentimes what we believe is because we did something bad, we, we look at it almost as karma. You know, it was bad karma. I'm only getting the punishment from my past. That's, I deserve it, you know, ha, ha, ha. You know, this is who I am. We, we put our identity to our past instead of having our identity in Jesus. The devil was probably playing right, whispering right in the ear of Peter as he was weeping for denying Jesus. Telling him, you know what, Peter? You blew it. You're nonsense, Peter. You think Jesus is ever going to want you back? He trusted you and you denied him. That, that moment of knowing that you've betrayed someone, someone you loved, that's hard to let go of. I feel worse about having betrayed someone than I do being betrayed. It's easier for me to forgive that person than myself. And I guarantee you, Peter was just like that right now. He's thinking, you know what? I was a disciple of Jesus Christ and I betrayed him. And all the apostles now know what I did. They all know. How am I supposed to look at them 
again. The second thing is devil wants you to use your shame to drive you away from God. As I said, he's trying to use that as your identity. Shame is who you are, but really it's not. But that's what he's trying to do. He wants you to use your guilt to draw to, to him, to the devil, than to allow his grace to come into our life and his grace to come into our hearts and his grace to just fill our minds with love and compassion and understanding mercy man god's grace is for everyone but oftentimes we're willing to give it to everybody but ourselves you know what's crazy is you got peter and you got Judas. Both of them betrayed Jesus. Both of them betrayed someone that they said they loved and they cared about. Heck, when we betray Jesus, we've all sinned, just like Peter and just like Judas. But the difference between those two men were something that we've just talked about. Judas was worldly sorrow. Ju Judas had this sorrow that was not righteous it was not godly and it was not jesus he got caught and he was embarrassed and he was ashamed so it drove him to a darker place a place where he ended up taking his own life he killed himself that's godly sorrow he could not fess up to what it is he had done and he took his life for it but then you have peter he had godly sorrow he wept he knew he was wrong he repented, he was sorry, and it led him further and closer to Jesus, it, closer and closer. He repented, and he repented. And that's what we should be doing. We have to acknowledge that we did something, and most of us can do that part. We can acknowledge, acknowledge to ourselves that, you know what, I did that. And then the second thing is we have to acknowledge that it's a sin. It is a sin. And it'll lead us to repentance. It allows us to say, you know what? This is what I did. There's no excuses. I did it. And that is a godly sorrow. And it will lead us back to Jesus. It leads us closer to Jesus. And I believe that's what happened to Peter. In John 21, Jesus appeared to Peter. Do you love me? Remember, he says, do you love me? You denied me. He asked him three times. And basically, he's like, well, quit dwelling on the past. Quit wallowing in your sin. You're sitting over there drowning in your guilt, Peter. And I'm here to tell all of you to stop dwelling on your past. You have a new future ahead of you. We have a new life in Jesus Christ. We have to stop saying, I'm a sinner. Well, you are, and so am I. And it's time to put that away and put that through our past and say, no more. And then he said, Peter, go and feed my sheep. Do my will and show my love. What are we to do? feed his sheep do his will and show his love that's who we are and what we are supposed to be doing we have to say you know what i'm sorry jesus but oftentimes when we say you know what i'm sorry jesus i can't receive it because i don't deserve it you're right you don't no one deserves god's grace none of us we're pathetic 
losers that like to sin all the time. And Jesus knew that and he says, I love you anyway, just like any father would. And he died for us. His grace is enough for us, but what we do when we tell Jesus, you know what, I can't receive it. I can't let this go, Jesus. We're telling Jesus his grace is not enough for us. We can't undo what's done, but we can repent. We can acknowledge sin and we can receive his forgiveness. It's almost like spitting in his face when we tell him his grace isn't good for us. It's plenty, I promise. It's time to let it go. Just let it go. Many of you guys in here know that song from that princess movie, Let It Go, but we're not going to sing that today because I don't know the lyrics and I can't sing, but hopefully you'll get that stuck in your head. Let it go all day long. You can sing it. Let it go. Let it go. Oh, wait, you got it. Anyway, 1 John 1 9 says this, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Acts 2.38 says, uh, believe and repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Are you telling me these things? These things are lies? You're saying that God lied to us that we can be forgiven of our sin? No. He didn't say, I'm only going to forgive most people of their sin but these people over there their sins are too bad I will never forgive their sins even if they asked even if they did everything that I would like them to do when they signed the covenant I'm not forgiving them no that's not how God works maybe that's what the devil wants you to believe he wants you to believe that you lusting after other women is unforgivable or hey you know what you lied not only to your wife and your kids but to your pastor and your friends there's no way you could be uh, forgiven. You know what? You are super deceitful. You deceived so many people and robbed them of their money. You cheated so many times. You've neglected children. You've made bad decisions. You've had words with people you shouldn't even be talking to. No way you could ever be forgiven. No way. <laughs> but yet we are. We are forgiven. Those of us who trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior have been forgiven. You cannot change your past, folks. None of us can. But God can change our future. He can say, you know what? That's who you were, and this is where you're going, and I want to take you there. But how's He supposed to take us there if we're unwilling to let Him? You know what? Yeah. You betrayed your spouse. Yeah, you cheated. But now you can be faithful, more faithful than you've ever been or ever even thought possible to be. Maybe you wasted so many years struggling with alcoholism and pornography or, or, or gambling or, or uh, uh, drugs or whatever it might be. But now you can live free and you can help others off of those things and say Jesus is better than any of those. Maybe you feel that you let God down. You let someone else down. Well, you know what? Now you're letting yourself down if you do not pick yourself back up and say, no, Jesus, I want to follow you. <laughs> it's time to let it go. 
It's time to let it go. Even if it was just last night, folks, even if it was just last night you decided to smoke some of that funny weed and you went to bed with someone else and here you are this morning and you're being convicted that you did that. That is a good thing that you're being convicted because now it means you can let it go. And it's time to let it go. Move on. Let God change who it is you are leading all the way up to today. And the next time the devil brings up your past, or my past, remind yourself. When he brings up your past again, remind him of his future. The devil's future is in the pits of hell, not yours. Not if you call on the name of Jesus. Isn't it fun that Peter was the first preacher after the resurrection in, in Acts? I just said Acts 2.38. In the book of Acts, it was the day of Pentecost. They, they went out and preached, and G, uh, Peter was preaching the gospel. And everybody said, hey, what do we do? And, and he says, get baptized and repent. And it said 3,000 people came to Jesus that day. And this is the same Peter who let God down, who betrayed Jesus that same day, that, that, or a few weeks back. It's funny that he says repent of your sin so quit holding on to the sin letting that be your identity let it go and now have a new identity in Jesus Christ it's time to let it go my my story is I'm forgiven what's yours are you going to hold on to that story that says that you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you're such a bad person, or uh, whatever? I'm forgiven. Man, I know you can be. We all can be. But we have to call on the name of Jesus. I'm a child of God. That's my identity. I am Daniel Baker. Not Pastor Daniel Baker. I'm Daniel Baker. Pastor is what I do. That's not who I am. I'm a child of God. Who are you? Who is it you are becoming every single day? All the bad pages in my book I've ripped out. I remember them, but they're no longer in my book. My book looks different. My book says it's the book of life, and that's where I get to go is heaven. When my story's finished, folks, I hope many, many, many more people like myself decide to give their lives over to Jesus. Be baptized for the forgiveness of sin, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, you know? I truly believe that people will come to Jesus. I truly believe that it's gonna take all of us to do that, but it takes us to understand that we are forgiven. It's gonna take an army of people to say, you know what, Jesus changed my life. So we can share that with other people that are still holding on to that guilt. I love Philippians 1.6, it says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you see, we need that confidence of saying we're forgiven. We are now Jesus people, right? We're the way, as I said in sermons a while back. The devil wants to steal your hope. 
The devil wants to steal your future. The devil wants to keep you out of the arms of Jesus. Don't listen to him anymore. It's time for us to let it go. So let's do that. Let's let it go. I know you can. If you need help with that, if you need help just talking with folks, talk to me. I get back from a vacation on Friday. I'll be back to church on that Sunday. Put it on your connection cards. Put your prayer requests on the connection cards. We have elders that will pray with you. We have women for ladies that want prayer, that need that intimate time with other women. Please do not hold on to guilt and shame. Please do not hold forgiveness to other people. God gives us grace. We need to extend that grace. But don't forget to extend that grace back onto yourself. Anyway, I'm Daniel Baker. Thanks for being here today. It is a blessed day for sure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this congregation. I thank you for every soul that was able to walk through the door and watch this service online today. Lord God, we love you. We put our trust in you. Thank you for your grace. Even though it's undeserving, we are grateful for it, God. Thank you for Jesus, your son on the cross. I lift up today's message to open the hearts and minds of everyone here. In Jesus' holy name, amen. God bless you all.